Last am I. Good afternoon and welcome to this week's episode of Perspective on Manx Radio. I'm Dolan Mercer. I think it would be fair to say that the Isle of Man has a difficult history when it comes to looked after children and children in care. There have been a series of events, both in living memory and before, which taint the island's reputation, but more importantly, of course, had enormous repercussions for those involved. On this week's episode, we speak to a man who, as one of his many roles in government, is tasked with helping make sure those kinds of circumstances never arise again. The basic role is to be a voice and an advocate for, for these young people. So where things are going wrong, it's up to me to make sure that those are highlighted and where they're systemic issues, the root causes are identified and, 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 and changed. I mean, it's obviously, I'm not a... A professional social worker and, and, and I don't have that expertise but my role is to challenge and to make sure that the right actions and are being taken and the right processes are in place. Tim Baker MHK is the island's current children's champion having been in the post since May 2018. This week he presented his annual report to Timwold, an important piece of work which provides careful scrutiny of a range of issues relating to looked after children children with complex needs and young carers. Later on in the programme, we'll hear from Mr Baker in the studio. But first, let's listen to what some other members of Timwold thought about the fruits of his labour. Mr Baker actually presented the document through a motion, meaning MHKs and MLCs had the opportunity to debate its contents and give their feedback. That motion, which simply stated that the report be received, was seconded by Chris Thomas. I welcome the report of the Children's Champion 2018-2019, noting both the encouraging developments outlined in it and the points made expressing concerns and making observations and suggestions. As Chair of the Council of Ministers Social Policy and Children's Committee and as a member of the Healthcare Transformation Political Board, I'm pleased to advise that building on the progress advised in October 2019, a new action plan for children and young people has been prepared for 2020, which will include appropriately actions um, necessary to fulfil expectations. That update to the action plan adopts a refreshed format with a strengthened focus on outcomes rather than merely actions as recommended by the Scottish Care Inspectorate. The plan continues to be strategically overseen by cross-government lead officers reporting into the Council Council of Ministers Subcommittee I chair and annually to us ourselves in this honourable court. This report rightly recognises changes on the horizon regarding the Healthcare Transformation Programme and the Children and Families Division of the Department of Health and Social Care. And I thank uh, the Honourable Children's Champion for his, um, hap- um, for his great vision in recognising the future as well as uh, discussing the immediate past. I'm confident that all Honourable mem- Members share his resolve and my resolve that children and young people continue to receive our utmost attention and that any changes should deliver real benefits Mr President, such changes, whatever they are, should not divert us from our shared goal, which is delivering for our our island's children. In that regard, I commend the children's champion for the way he has carried out his role, contribution in general, and this insightful, important report. I I chose not to reserve my remarks, so in closing, I pledge two things in the capacities I mentioned earlier. The first is that my two ears are open to every remark made by any member in this debate. And secondly, I will use my mouth to make sure that um, points, suggestions are followed up by officers when it is operational and deals with professional matters, and politically when it comes to political matters, working with the children's champion and the other champions involved, with the ministers involved, with the departmental members involved, and indeed with all politicians who I believe share universally in the island uh, the concern to make sure we deliver for our island's children, all of our island's children. That was Policy and Reform Minister Chris Thomas there. Another member of Comin that will have taken a close interest in Mr Baker's findings is Health Minister David Ashford. I want to thank the Honourable Member for highlighting in his key trends the increased numbers of children in residential care. I personally view this with concern 
as I'm a firm believer that wherever possible, and there will always be the odd few cases where it's not possible, a family home is the best environment for children. I know that the service currently faces challenges, but it's important that we continue to look at what we can do to expand that provision. There have been challenges since the Family Placement Service reintegrated with the department just over 14 months ago, and progress on some of those issues has been frustratingly slow. However, as the Honourable Member highlights in his report, most posts have now been filled with permanent staffing, which will give some much-needed continuity to the service, and training and development needs are starting to be met. I fully agree this is something that must form an important part of the Division's delivery plan this year, and welcome the recognition from the Honourable Member on page 8 of his report that it is reflected in the Department's forward plans, which the Honourable Member for Council, Mrs Sharp, who has delegated responsibility in that area, I'm sure will expand on shortly. Also, I and the rest of the Department look forward in positively engaging with the Honourable Member so we can ensure that the changes required can be put in place. I just responding as well, Mr President, at this point to the remark, opening remarks the Honourable Member made, he expressed some concern that the transformation could interfere um, with this moving forward. I state quite categorically here and now, Mr President, that the transformation is separate from the day-to-day -day of the Department, and it is quite rightly is so. The day-to-day -day business of the Department must continue. The Honourable Member said that children and families is a small piece of the Department, <coughs> but it is an important piece. Mr. Pre Mr. President, in fact, I would actually go as far to say it is an essential piece of the work that goes on. The relationship between the service and foster carers does need to be, to be improved, and that has been recognised by the department since the service came back within uh, the, the remit of the department. And once again, I thank the Honourable Member for his engagement, which has resulted from the workshops held in the, re in the production of a comprehensive report, which will provide a foundation for building better communication and engagement. A relationship of mutual understanding and trust is essential to delivering the future success of the service, and that is fully recognised within the department. There is a long way to go, and we have been starting from a low base. I'm the first to acknowledge that. But with the right engagement and a defined action plan, I believe it is a situation we can improve. Mr President, we call the role the children's champion, and over the 18 months that he's been in post, Mr Baker has been precisely that, a champion. He's championed the cause of the children which his role looks to give a voice to, and where he has identified issues or problems, he has not been shy of coming forward to work with the department to get those issues resolved. On a personal note as Minister, Mr President, I would just like to put on record that the Honourable Member's constant engagement and enthusiasm for the role has been a pleasure to work with. The Department has welcomed the constructive engagement with the Honourable Member over the last 18 months and looks forward to continuing to build on that over the forthcoming year leading up to his next report, which we hope he will be able to say that we are on a path to resolve the issues he has raised today. That was Health Minister David Ashford there. The Court also heard from another member of the Department of Health and Social Care, Kerry Sharp, who is the political lead for Children and Families. I see it as my job today to reassure members that the Division acknowledges and welcomes the findings in his report. Focusing on looked after children, since this was the main thrust of the report, it is absolutely true that the process of adoption currently takes far too long and that this is not acceptable. It is absolutely true that the system of fostering in the island is not working perfectly and the educational achievements of the children we look after have not been well enough monitored or improved, and that the accommodation in which we place our young people is simply not good enough. But I stand here today to assure members that the Division is aware of these problems and that it is fully committed to solving them. Kerry Sharp there. Most members of the court were overwhelmingly complimentary of Mr Baker and his efforts, an experience he would later describe to me as being quite humbling. One of those was Laurie Hooper, MHK, who also had some concerns to raise. Firstly, I'd just like to commend the Honourable Member for, for this report. The level of detail uh, in here actually quite surprised me when I opened it. I didn't expect it to be uh, quite uh, this, not, not thorough, but quite this, uh, with this much detail and so informative, uh, actually. Really, what I'd like to know, though, is, is, is what happens next. 
Um, the report identifies a number of uh, challenges being faced by various uh, sections of, of government. It identifies key priorities, and we've heard some very brief remarks from various members of the departments uh, talking about how uh, the report actually pulls out some of these uh, important areas. But I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that there isn't a more formal government response to the document, because some of the, the issues identified in here are, are quite big, and they do touch on quite a, a wide range of other areas that government is working on. And so I, it would be nice, actually, I think, in future for, uh, if we're going to get this level of detail and this much <coughs> from our children's champion, uh, I think it is only it's becoming on government to say, yes, we're, we're actually going to respond to this in a formal capacity. Uh, it feels like that would be uh, of, of benefit. There's been a bit of, a bit of talk about um, the role uh, expanding, and I think I get the feeling honourable members have missed the point somewhat. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's the role itself uh, that has enabled this to happen. It's the ability of, of the, the post holder of Mr. Baker to actually provide this concurrent oversight. He's not waiting till the end of a process to pick up the pieces and tell us what went wrong. He's involved in the process as it's ongoing. He's providing that non-executive oversight role as departments are working on policies to pick up areas, to pick up risk, to pick up challenge. And I think that's really what's, what's shown that this is, is a successful uh, role and is a successful piece of work. One area that does concern me, however, is the amount of work that must have gone into this report. Uh, and the role is completely unresourced. There is no support. There is no uh, network of support here. Uh, these kind of issues are being identified and pulled out and dealt with because of uh, an individual member going essentially above and beyond on top of all of his other commitments. And that, that worries me because you get someone else in the role, actually do you get the same level of, of quality and of detail? Whereas it, what we should be doing is looking at putting the structures in place that means it doesn't really matter who the post holder is necessarily, you're still getting the same level of, of value and oversight out of it. And I. I think that's something that needs to be thought about a little bit more, perhaps with the involvement of our, our Timor Policy Review Committees. Laurie Hooper, MHK there. If you're just joining us, we're looking at the first annual report from Tim Baker, MHK, in his role as children's champion on the Isle of Man. We've heard the thoughts of a few members of Timwald on his document there. The whole discussion lasted for around an hour. After that debate, I reflected on the report and on the debate with the man himself starting by asking Mr Baker to tell us about the scope of his role since he took it on and how that's changed. Yes, it's, it's very clearly defined and it's in, in, in simple terms, it's to be a voice and an advocate for three specific groups of, of, of young people. The, the, the major group is, is looked after children, which are essentially children that are, that are in the care of, of, of the state. Um, the second group is uh, children with complex needs, which means multiple professionals involved in their care. And the third is young carers, um, which obviously everybody knows about carers. Um, but there are young people who are having to care for either siblings or even or even for parents uh, on, on this island. And this was quite a conscious decision to to narrow that remit from uh, Daphne Kane, who's your, your predecessor. Um, it's very, it's a, a role appointed directly by the chief minister is that right it, it is that's that that's correct and i think there was a recognition between the chief minister and 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 and, and daphne um that perhaps the the role needed reshaping um but that was perceived maybe as perhaps narrowing the the, the remit and, and i understand why daphne didn't what didn't feel that she wanted to, to do that but for me uh, by the time i was approached about taking the role on it was clear what the remit was, and I'm very happy to to take on any remit as long as I understand clearly what 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 it is and what and, and, and what it isn't. And to some extent, I think that the role had drifted a little bit because this was this role was brought in in a response to the uh, very sad events um, many years ago now, uh, known as the Lease Lodge murders and something called the Everall Inquiry, um, where one of the clear findings was that there was no voice uh, for, for, for these young people and you know that tracks back even further and linking other issues in tracks back to the issues that you know I've been very uh, passionate about uh, the, the the Notfield situation um, you know again things happened they weren't highlighted at the time because the, the young people didn't have a voice um, and, and we know the consequences uh, of, of that um, so, in a sense, it's it's almost been brought back to basics. Um, and actually, as as the chief minister said to me, if you fight on 
you fight on too many fronts, you, you get beaten. Um, this has given me a very clear focus, and whenever I get any issues uh, in my inbox or across my desk, <coughs> I've, I'm very clear to filter them and, and decide whether they're, they're within my scope or not. Um, and if they're not, I try and redirect them either to the constituency MHK or, or, or direct to the department because I have to have a very clear focus in, in, in doing this role. I'd like to come back to speak about um, several of the things that you've mentioned there. Some of the case studies from the past, obviously, we'll, we'll touch upon as well. Um, you've mentioned about fighting on lots of fronts, and I half-jokingly, half-seriously um, tease you about your range of roles in government in this administration now, um, which has grown as the administration has has got older. Mm-hmm. Um, Mrs. Kane spoke about the length of time that she was spending each week dealing with this role and with everything it brought with it. Um, are you able to give us some sort of indication of what proportion of your time is, is spent? I, I presume it changes. Ab- ab- absolutely, it does. It's it's a very fluid um, style of working that, that, that I have because I have so many different elements to it. And, you know, I've, I've found it difficult to answer the question that was that was asked a while ago about how much of my role was 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 constituency uh, as opposed to anything else and it it varies from week to week and it's a very flexible um, style of working it you know this isn't a job that you turn up at nine o'clock on a Monday and and, and, and finish at five o'clock on a Friday it's you are an MHK as far as I'm concerned seven days a week 24 hours a day and that's one of the differences between that and being an MLC um, that that you are there to, to to serve your constituents and to serve the people of of, of, of the Alaman. So um it's very difficult to even know how how much work working time you you actually do. So I break it down into proportions is, is, is quite challenging. But um, we, it's we, a significant we, yeah. significant element of my role. Because I mean you've got to list some of them and I probably will have missed some. Um you've got responsibility for ports, you've got responsibility for highways your chair of the planning committee. Um, what have I missed? Yeah, the meat plant. Meat plant. And, Sorry, yeah, that was the yeah, other big one. And I'm also um, delegated member of, 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 of DEFA supporting the minister, particularly in agriculture. Um, and yeah, and with children's champion and then the constituency role as well. Um, but, you know, my mindset is that as an MHK, you've got a unique opportunity to add value to the Isle of Man and to make a difference for however long that you're you know you're in, you're in that role so to me it's about making the best of that opportunity and at the end of the five years to really believe that you've done the best you possibly can and uh so you know when when this when this role came up it was acknowledged both by myself and the chief minister that i didn't have a lot of of available capacity but it's about making the, the absolute right choices with your time and trying to just make sure that every day that you that you spend is, is 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 valuable and and not wasting it on things that don't matter and 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 I think perhaps my business background, the things I've done over the years and and the variety of different things I've been involved in outside uh, the working environment, um, I, I, th- I think it's something that probably I'm reasonably adept at at, at doing and, and prioritising and getting across the ground fairly quickly. So um, I, w- I wanted to ask you about that because um, from the outside, people who perhaps didn't know you or didn't know the different roles would see the list of things that you've taken on and you know to, to play devil's advocate um, something's got to give effectively yeah. and you you think it'd be inevitable that they would have to be prioritized at different times ab- ab- absolutely and it's it's about working out literally on a on a on a concurrent basis really as to where where, where you're best spending your time and obviously there's some things that are outside your control i mean obviously we've, we've, we've just spent Two day, two full days in in in, in Timwall this week, um, and and keys etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but there are other things where where there's discretion there as to as, as to how you spend your time. But yeah, it does have it does have an impact. And um, you, but I would rather take on as much as I can that I think I can add, add 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 value to. And I think the proof of the pudding is in the eating. I've taken on the children's champion role, and I believe I've delivered value in 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 that role, and I've managed to do it. But of course, you're making compromises and sacrifices all the time, including in your personal and family lives as well. Final question about the role itself. Um, I've mentioned Mrs. Kane having done the role or a comparable role previously. I think it was also Dudley Butt, is that right? That's, that's correct, have yes. You, have you spoken to him about 
um, the role at all or how, how it's changed? I haven't actually, no. I mean, obviously I know, I mean, Dudley's a, a well-known, a well-known figure and very well, well-respected. Well and uh, But no, I, I haven't actually uh, uh, done that. I mean, I tend to be quite pragmatic and um, take take hold of a situation and, and then try and deal with it in, in, in the best way I, way I can and, um, and, and, and try and work out, you know, what do, what do I need to do and how how do I move things things forward? So when I did take the role on, it was very much about understanding, you know, where it was, what the remit was, and and the, and the various different different elements of it. Meeting the, uh, the the young people, particularly the VIP council, which is the the group of of uh, uh, looked after children, the representative group. Meeting the officers in across the various different departments that are involved. Um, getting the corporate parenting group mechanism understood by, by myself to start with and then starting to shape it the way that uh, I, I I felt was going to make it more 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 effective uh, and really working to understand the key issues and and I, and I would say that that I worked closely with both the political member for uh, children and families Kerry Sharp and also Anne Corlett who is the relevant person within education and of course Anne is also uh, in 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 health, so the three of us actually met uh, off offline on a number of occasions to try and make sure that we were joined up and that we were focusing on what the key issues were. And actually, out of that, the um, motion around accommodation for vulnerable young people came, and and that select committee, which I think the the fruits of that work, I think, will prove to be very very abundant over over a period of time. Turning to the report itself. Um, in quite a careful way, it felt you put this to Timwald as a motion, meaning it was, um, you know, you you wanted to incite some debate, and and that was that was what you got really. Um, what did you make of the comments of your colleagues in Parliament this week? Uh, I was I was delighted with the degree of engagement uh, from 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 colleagues, and I think it it reflects that this Timwald is very, oh, very much more open uh, and reflective of some of these issues particularly around uh, vulnerable vulnerable young people and the vulnerable generally i mean obviously you've seen lots of uh aspects of that in terms of um some of the select committee work even even just this just this week the select committee on 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 uh, uh suicide or the standing committee that's, that's looked into suicides we've had the the work on poverty and uh, there's a number of different manifestations of that so uh delighted with the engagement but that didn't that didn't surprise me um i was really pleased that we got a very straightforward and honest response from the minister for health didn't try and shy away from the issues uh acknowledged that as i'd said in the report there were some 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 serious issues that needed addressing because you were you were quite critical in places um constructively critical but critical of the uh, current state of play i guess yes yes i mean there are some 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 serious issues particularly around foster care um that, that need grappling with and I was very clear in the in my report and of course it is available uh, as, a, as a matter of public record on, on the Timwell website um, for anybody who's interested um, very very clear that we're, we're not where we should be and um, there was no sugarcoating that from me and there was no denying it from either the minister or the, or the member uh, responsible for children and families so I'm hopeful that that will translate into uh, some so, some real actions over the over the coming months because we we really we really haven't got time to waste on 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 this and I know the minister of health and his team have got hugely challenged um, and it was intentional to bring it to, de- to for a debate for exactly those reasons that it's very easy for uh, for this to be a hidden away issue as it has been in the past. Um, and I wanted foster carers to 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 really recognise that they have got a, they have got a voice. That these issues are being surfaced, and that there is prospect of uh, of, of of real progress. I'm going to quote a little bit from the report. Um, you said that it's clear that the relationship between the department, family placement services, and foster carers has been perceived as very poor for a significant period of time. Um, how and why did you come to that conclusion? Uh, I've had a lot of engagement with 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 with, with foster carers right from uh, the time I was appointed, and and, and even as a constituency MHK prior, prior to that, I was aware that, that there, were, there were lots of concerns. Um, 
and I've spoken to a, a large number of, 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 of them. Uh, they're a very close-knit community who support each other uh, very, very, very strongly. And it's a, it's a bit of a hidden community. Um, but they've seen in me somebody who can be, a, be a, both a, a listening ear and uh, hopefully a, a vehicle to get change brought, brought about. And um, so I've had that perspective um we also held a series of workshops which the department um supported not in the sense of actually delivering it but in terms of agreeing to to, to pay for those workshops um it was important that the workshops were independent and that would would allow the foster carers to talk freely um and to raise, raise the significant concerns that they have without the fear of those comments being held against them um there's lots of mention in your report about trust or or perhaps maybe a a lack of trust or a perceived lack of trust um is that is that what a lot what a lot of this boils down to that it's trying to rebuild that perhaps it absolutely needs rebuilding and it it is a there is a lack of trust um and it's been built up over a number of years and you know just for those who are not so familiar with with the background to this the family placement service was outsourced and run by the by the children's center for for a number of years um, it, the decision was made to bring that back into into government, uh, and it was brought back in first of October, uh, twenty eighteen. So, fifteen and a bit months months ago now. And when, when did you join the role? Just for context, uh, May eighteen. So, prior to it, the decision had been made to bring it back in. Uh, the children's centre were were no longer continuing with it, um, but it hadn't it hadn't been brought back in when I when I when I started. Um, but the, the the service has been in bad shape for many years, and and it's not been on solid foundations, as I as as, as I spelt out in my in, in my in my uh, comments, um, and and because of that, there hasn't been the stability around it. Things have happened in a way that weren't as as, as they should have been, weren't necessarily consistent either between people or, or or over time um and it's been a very very damaged service uh, and because of that confidence has been not relationships have been damaged there's been no continuity um and unfortunately that sets a that sets a a foundation um that isn't very good and that needs to be first recognized and that needs to be rebuilt uh, and there has to be some absolute honesty and, and and openness and transparency about that. And you know that was one of the comments that came from a number of members speaking in in the debate was that the report was open and honest and transparent. And I think Mrs. Sharp said that. And absolutely, it should be. You know, you can't fix these sort of things unless you're open about what the problems actually are. Mrs. Sharp um, is better informed than most about these topics. Um, prior to her career in politics mm-hmm. she's obviously done a lot of research and writing on on uh, um, related themes shall we say um we often hear government being criticized for working in silos that's something that comes up across all kinds of debates um different departments working in silos can we can we infer from some of the things in your report that perhaps there are similar criticisms to be made of the health and social care department um i certainly think that managing a big organization like health and social care is is a major challenge and um you know as as i said in the debate about the uh, additional funding the supplementary vote you've got an organization that's spending over a quarter of a billion pounds a year and it's got over 3000 employees that's a huge it's a huge organization there hasn't been the stability around the the whole of health and social care uh, for for quite a while, I mean, just in this administration, you've had you've had two ministers, uh, you've had under various titles at least three chief a, execs. A, a series of senior civil servants, I've, anyway, have, I've, have I've, come I've, and I've, left, haven't they? Absolutely, including people brought in from the UK with real expertise who uh, who've come and gone. Um, so it's complex. The different bits of the department are very different. So. Children and families is very different from Nobles Hospital, and uh, so so inevitably they they are divisions that are fairly self-contained. Um, I just think there's lots of challenges managing big organisations, whether it's in 
the public sector or the private sector. Um, and I think particularly around this children and families side, you also had an outsourced arrangement with the, with the children's centre who were delivering the, the uh, family placement service. And I don't think there was the mechanisms in place to ensure the outcomes and the, and, and, and the service was as it should be. And again, there's a lesson there, much wider across government. It's okay putting a service out to the private sector or the third sector, but you're still responsible for that. You have to have the mechanisms in place to make sure that that is being delivered in, 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 in the right way. So um, I wouldn't be any more critical with about the department as I would about government as a whole. It's, it's, it's difficult stuff, this. Lots of this comes under the umbrella of corporate parenting, and mm-hmm. that's spoken about in the report. Um, tell us what that means in simple terms, and um, yeah, and we'll, we'll come to also comments of there being a lack of legislation in place uh, by extension. Yes, I mean, corporate, corporate parent, parenting in, the, in the, its most basic sense is, is essentially that uh, for these children, the state has stepped into the role of being their parents. Um, so we all know what being a parent uh, involves, um, and, and and essentially the state has to um, has to deliver that to the to the best of its ability, and it is a it's a serious responsibility. You know, these young people, their life chances and out and potential outcomes are being framed and determined by their experiences, as you know, many children, their upbringing determines how successful their lives are likely to be and I, I know you can change that you know I'm not saying this is all self-determining but it's it's a fundamental period you know from zero to 18 it's probably the most formative stage of, 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 of your life um, and and government is the parent of, the, of these children for that um, for that period and, and actually beyond it really um, linking to the discussions around the you know longer term provision and for accommodation and, and not ending this uh, relationship at, with a sharp edge at, at 18. So the state is, is, is the parent and some of these young people, they, they have no other family. Um, so the state absolutely has to do its job properly uh, to the best of its ability and, and, and it's not easy. You said that there's not yet legislation in place to do with mm-hmm. corporate parenting, so sh- can we foresee that... There's something coming. Well, there's there's lots of legislative challenges around the whole of, of um, health and uh, social care. Um, there's there's adoption legislation, uh, which is their department's first priority, and then there's going to be a revision to the Children and Young Persons Act, uh, which I'm sure is going to strengthen the provisions around corporate parenting. It'll pick up, I think, some of the um, agreed recommendations from the select committee on accommodation for vulnerable young, young people and i think it will look to bring in uh some modern modern provisions and at the end of the day the legislation is a matter for the department i'm sure the director of uh, of, of children and families will be keen to to get that to the highest standard it can it can possibly be um and and obviously to the extent i'm able to influence that positively through through my advocacy yeah. uh, and my scrutiny I'll, I'll, I will do that um, but it is a matter for the department in terms of the, 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 their legislation but yes there are other jurisdictions where there are more uh, definitive uh, prescription around around this when it comes to corporate parenting um, children in care looked after children the Isle of Man has quite a well publicized dark past um, both in living memory and and before that, um, is there a responsibility in your role to try and prevent those circumstances from arising again? Is that ab- 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 absolutely? I mean, those those with, with, without without meaning to conflate any case studies with the present day, I might add, but they they have to be in your consciousness. I would have thought. Yeah, ab- 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 absolutely. The 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 basic role is to be a voice and an advocate for for these young people so you know where things are going wrong it's up to me to make sure that those are highlighted and where there are systemic issues uh that that the root causes are identified and 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 changed i mean it's obviously i'm not a uh 
a professional social worker and, and, and I don't have that expertise, but my role is 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 to challenge and 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 to make sure that the right actions and are, are being taken and the right processes are in place. And Mr. Hooper in the debate actually made a really salient description. He described it as concurrent scrutiny, um, which which I thought was was really good because there's something unique in this role that I'm working very very closely with the professional team and the officer team and it's across departments so it's good engagement particularly with health and social care and, and education sport and culture but also uh, home affairs are, are within the corporate parenting group structure um, so I've got the officer engagement I've got the cross-departmental role um, but it is scrutiny it's not an executive role but it's very different scrutiny from what is normally seen as scrutiny, which is you know formal select committee work, and, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think it has real. Well, I more than think I know it has real value, and it's changing outcomes now. Um, there was real acknowledgement again from uh, Mrs. Corlett speaking on behalf of education in the in the debate about the influence that my work and the work of Corporate Parenting Group had had in bringing forward the appointment of what's colloquially known as a virtual head teacher uh, for looked after children, which is encompassed within a wider role of um, additional needs advisor. I think the, 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 the title, something along those sorts of lines, which is a new appointment and, and uh, very high quality educational professional taking that role up. Um, uh, very excited about what he, what he will bring. Um, and um, you know, that is something that's gone from, Recognising the issue, raising it within the Corporate Parenting Group Forum, work being done by officers, being brought back, and, and, and the department responding very, very positively. Um, and, you know, that's that's great to see. And um, it's important that uh, we're, we're actually having an effect. Um, you know, it doesn't need to wait for an annual report or for a Timor debate. It's actually influencing decisions being made almost on a real-time basis, which is, for me, the role as a Timor member is to, is to get better outcomes for people, the old man. As a children's champion, it's about better outcomes for our looked-after children and the other groups. And to see that translate into things happening, which you know are going to have positive benefits, is, is, is very rewarding. You've mentioned um, the department's kind of legislative priority being the adoption bill and... Do you feel perhaps the adoption process is working as well as it could or perhaps as well as it should uh, before the introduction of that bill? No, it's not. Um, it's it's far too slow um, and uh, it, it's very uh, low in terms of numbers of uh, numbers of adoptions that, that, that actually uh, take place. And, um, you know, I've spoken to a number of people who are, trying to adopt or hoping to adopt on on on, on the island and uh, it's it, it it's quite profound you've got people who want to provide a loving family home for young people is that is that because it's a cumbersome process or is it are there too many legal it, it is hoops a to jump through or uh, both both I, I would say i mean again i'm not a, an expert on, on 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 the process but it takes an awful long time and and quite rightly there's there's, there's so many safeguards to to, to 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 go through and it's all uh enmeshed with 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 the whole process around care proceedings etc etc so um it the, we can definitely do better and that's been acknowledged and that's why it's a, such an important part of the uh of, of the uh legislative program um but you know you've got you've got families who are potentially able and willing to offer a solution for a young young person and you've got young people who are either in temporary arrangements or in, in residential. It has to be best. It has to be. We have to be able to do better. Um, and the minister himself, you know, he, he did acknowledge that the the best place for young people to be brought up is within a within a family environment. And um, so, taking all that on board, adoption is part of the solution, as is improving the whole fostering service as well. And you know there is a place for residential care as well. It's it's not something that 
shouldn't be part of the solution. It, it, it has a role to play, but we've got the balance wrong at the moment. I have to phrase this question a bit carefully, but um, in what areas do looked-after children or children in care lack? What what things do they miss out on, and, and how does that manifest itself? It's a really good it's a really good question. I mean the um, the corporate parenting group obviously we've now we've now put together uh, a data set, and, and again that was the, that was appended to, to 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 my report, and it looks across various key indicators and, and, and measures, um, it, it, and it covers not just the the way that they are looked after in terms of you know whether they're in fostering or um, residential, um, but also some measures of quality around that. So the stability of those placements, um, which are far far too unstable. Um, it, it also looks at their educational status as well. And um, So is, is there a big impact on attainment, for yeah, example? Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. They, they very easily fall through the fall through the cracks in the education system and that's why this virtual head teacher has been appointed to, to bring a far more coherent approach you know it, it's very difficult for um the, the schools and and and, and, the, and and the teaching staff to ensure that the extra needs that a, a, a looked after child has are fully um addressed at the same time as dealing with a class of 25 or 30 other children um it's very clear that Many of these children end up on uh, modified timetables, um, or, or um, even not even getting those uh, number of hours that they should be should be getting. They they're pushed to one side as 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 a, as a consequence, um, and as they go up in age, it becomes more pronounced that they're not getting the hours in school or even necessarily the quality alternative timetables. Um, which clearly impacts where they leave school, which clearly impacts their 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 their, their prospects. Now, um, there are things being put in place to try and remedy that. So St Christopher's, who are uh, one of the, well, they provide the residential care. They also have a charitable arm. They've launched a support into employment scheme this year, and that's having some some really tangible results. And not only is it giving better outcomes for those young people, it's actually also enhancing our our workforce on the island which we which we know we need to do um there's also as, as well as the educational side there's also the just the general health side um all the sorts of things that most parents worry about for their kids but there are also things that i mean people take for granted i suppose absolutely they do and uh, you you almost don't realize the implications of them until they're not there and one of the very profound uh, examples for me was was around young people learning to drive um, and it was recognised as a result of the feedback from the young people through the VIP council that their chances of being able to learn to drive were far reduced because not only driving less is expensive most young people need to get driving experience that's usually delivered by their parent so not only do you need the money for driving lessons you need to have access to a car and you need to have access to somebody to to take you out the net result is that then those people young people find it very difficult to learn to drive that then reduces their employment prospects particularly if they're looking for jobs that need some flexibility and it becomes a vicious downward spiral and this is in a context of young people who've had very very challenging upbringings lots of trauma in their uh early early years and the the dice are loaded against them and what i'm trying to do here in in the role and you know i'm not doing it on my own there's lots of people trying to do their bit for these young people but you um, you, you mentioned you're an, you're an advocate aren't you for yeah, for them absolutely. essentially so yeah and these these young people are the same as any as any other young person they've got hopes they've got dreams they've got talents um they are valued, valuable members of our society and we need to give them absolutely the best opportunities in life. And we need to recognise that, you know, there, there are consequences for the things that have that have happened to them that are not of their... Those things were not of their making. Um, we need to show some understanding and tolerance around that and we need to make adjustments to allow them to take up 
all the opportunities that anybody else would you know would would take for granted perhaps the most damning um sentence or two sentences in the report i felt was it said for too long in the isle of man being brought up in care has meant poor life chances um we must change this scenario um there are all kinds of things i could ask you off the back of that but in order to measure that change being implemented that's going to require i mean let's say 18 years for argument's sake to to see that um how does that fit with the inevitable political short-termism for somebody in your role yeah well for for me the short is short-termism um means that you've actually got to uh grasp hold of things now and absolutely do the best you possibly can with them knowing that at some point in time somebody else is going to need to pick this pick this up and you know again mr mr hooper made a very valuable um contribution to the debate where he said about embedding the, the 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 things that we're doing to make sure that this is sustainable this can't be uh something that you know burns brightly whilst i'm doing the role uh and then and then fades as soon as um i'm not in the role for for whatever reason um so we absolutely need to embed these things but you know we owe it to these young people and certainly my my reason for wanting to be an mhk is to make a difference to a positive difference to the isle of man and actually the fact that you can't measure these things for the lot until long term doesn't matter to me because i know that the effect is positive and i don't need I don't need a score sheet to, t- to tell me that. Government I, does seem to like score sheets, though, and does seem to like quantitative measures of success yeah, from, from uh, the outside. And this, you can see the point I'm trying to make. This doesn't seem to fit with that model. No, it, no, no, it, no, it doesn't. And you know, there are many, there are many reasons why quantitative measures of success are are absolutely required in many circumstances. But fundamentally, you also know that doing the right thing is always the right thing and if we don't give these young people the best opportunities we're essentially disadvantaging them we are uh inhibiting their future uh potential and and therefore addressing that is absolutely the right thing to do and i don't think anybody could legitimately argue with that um so for me it's about just trying to do the best job we possibly can to make the biggest impact and to make sure that that is, that is sustained. And that's why it's important that these issues are brought out, why they are owned by the Timwall Court and the people of the Isle of Man. Um, and that my legacy will be about how it transpires over that longer longer period and how we build on uh, the work that's that's been set in, set in motion here. Uh, and what's really pleasing for me is that there is good engagement from Timwald members, both very publicly and in and in more private ways, um, there has been support not just for this 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 motion, um, but the select committee that work was was well supported. Council ministers, you know, to give them credit, they have got behind both of these, and I'm absolutely convinced that Minister Ashford is uh, genuine when he when when he pledges to deliver. Um, you know, it might not perhaps be as quick as as, as, as as he assumes um but he's made that commitment he's going to be held accountable for it uh and it's going to be very visible in public um so i do think something's changed uh and and the long-term benefits will will, will be there and and yes it would be lovely to have a, a a sheet that says you know you took it from x to y but actually i know that this is the right thing i know it's adding value and I know the outcomes for these young people and those that follow them will be better for it. Um, just finally to close, so you've been in the role for something like 18 months, give or take. Yeah. You're going to be in the role for another 18 months-ish, give or take, yeah. presumably until the 2021 election at least. Um, what are the priorities for the second half of your tenure, if you like, so for 2020 and for a bit of 2021? Yeah, sure. Um the main priority is to see some real movement on the foster care situation. Um, we we need to see some uh, tangible delivery from the department in terms of getting the new methodology which they've promised. Um, with this mo- mockingbird is the is the methodology that they're talking about. Um, that needs to be in. That needs to be um, 
producing new new carers and more and 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 carers who've got all the support and the training and 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 the resilience in, in the system we need more capacity um we need to build on the work that's being done in education um so that uh, the the young people are feeling the difference and experiencing it and that they are coming all the way all the way through the system there's no reason why somebody who's been brought up in as a looked after child can't have the same aspirations to go to university to get a really good job and to and and to have all the things that everybody else is 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 looking for um so we need to keep pushing on that um with without sounding too insensitive this all requires resources of which especially the department of health and social care has famously preciously few in recent years to be a critic i can't i can't help but wonder why it's a priority if you see what i mean well it is a separate division within within health and if you look at minister ashford's analysis they did show they have shown cost savings against budget this year but he he, he explicitly committed in the in the debate that children and families division was i think he said essential was the word he used and that it would not be used as a, as a sacrificial uh, lamb to prop up the other, the to, other parts. To prop up nobles, basically. Ab- absolutely. And, you know, part of my part of my role is to make sure that he, that he honours that and that if things aren't happening for whatever reason, we, we understand why that's the case and that any any impediments are knocked, uh, are, are knocked over. And, uh, you know, I've, all I can do is take those assurances at face value uh, and, 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 and remain alive to 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 see how that plays out um but yes the the ball is firmly in the court of uh, the children and families division of health and social care they're saying the right things um i believe they're going to do the right things but i'm going to be watching very very carefully and i'm also going to be influencing to to keep raising the bar because as you as, as you as you lift things you've got to keep stretching and, and taking things further so it is on it is in those particular areas delivering on their legislation because that underpins everything um and just just generally increasing the profile of of, of this whole uh, area that was children's champion tim baker there reflecting on the debate of his first annual report in timwald this week you've been listening to perspective on manx radio thanks for joining us take care